0: and welcome to the Doctor Who pod and it is guest day, the first one of our third season and this is fantastic. Bloody love a guest day. My name is Soy, and joining me as always is my partner in time, Mr. Dan Griffin. How are you doing, sir? Very good, mate. Just had,
1: just had a big fright before we started recording. It's, you'll probably hear on the outtakes at the end of the show. So despite a minor coronary event, I am good and Like you say, doubly excited because it's a guest day. But I'll let you do the introductions because I've not had time to think.
0: No problem, no problem. It is guest day indeed. And joining us today to look back on... uh, This season's Christopher Eccleston story is somebody who is, you know, really sort of making a big splash now in the podcasting world. Shows on SJP World Media, as well as his own YouTube channel covering football in the States. It is Connor from Connor Knows Footy and Connor Knows Horror. How are we doing, sir?
2: I'm doing good uh, this fine morning. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing?
0: Not bad, my friend. Not too bad. Excited to have you along, bud. Thank you for having me. No, no problem at all. Really glad to have you along. It's interesting hearing somebody from the other side of the pond, I suppose, talking about this this show that is, well, it's, it's very British, isn't it? It's a British mm-hmm. institution. Um, we are aware how popular it is elsewhere in the world, but getting a first-hand, um, I suppose, viewpoint of the show from someone who lives elsewhere in the world, I think is going to be really interesting, Dan. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So I keep getting distracted. I can see my neighbours. I'm going to... Sh- no, I can't shut the blind fuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I promised this wasn't going to distract me. Uh, yeah, it's going to be brilliant. I'm uh, I'm intrigued to see because uh, a lot of these sort of references and, and bits and pieces now are uh, are going to be probably quite outdated with it being you know 17 years old and uh, you know 2005 was uh, was a very different time. So yeah, really intrigued. Mm. How were uh, how you how you see it, Connor?
2: Yeah. So to give you guys a little bit of a perspective, and I guess to make you guys feel old, feel old, I would have been a year old in 2005.
1: And that's the end of the do- this episode. Yeah, next week. And,
2: uh...
1: <laughs> As if my existential crisis wasn't bad enough. Oh my
0: goodness, you'd have been a year old. Oh, my I was. Goodness. I was. Si- I was sixteen. Jeez. You were sixteen. <laughs> uh, we won't. We won't go into how old I was in 2005. I don't think that's fair. <laughs> so I, was, so I was 30. <laughs> Shut up, you knob. <laughs> That's my line. I think you'll find. Yeah, I was 24 in 2005. That's all far off. So no, not too far, not too far. Uh, The episode we're looking at today is the second episode of New Who, the Christopher Eccleston story, The End of the World. This was chosen by our guest, as is the way we function here on the Doctor Who pod. Connor, do you want to let us know then, I suppose, a little bit of background with regards to uh, your Doctor Who fandom? I mean, you say that this first aired when you were one, so you wouldn't have seen it first time around, obviously. Um, But I'm interested to know how you first discovered the show. And what attracted you to it, and and I suppose your favorite doctors, favorite companions, favorite stories in general, my friend.
2: Um. So here in the states, uh, for a while, the uh, New Who, as you guys call it, um, was on the Netflix or Netflix here. Um, I found it when I was about nine years old, I think. Yeah. Okay. Nine years old, and then I just started watching it and for some reason i fell in love with the stories but i think it was mostly because of the funny accents because it is a British tv show and like (laughs) a lot of things um like we we have different words for the same thing basically Mm -hmm. um like you call it a lift we call it an elevator so on so forth i think that's kind of what really attracted me to the show just because of the accent Yeah. Okay.
0: No, fair enough. That's interesting. I mean, obviously you're a big fan of, of of football as well, or or soccer, I suppose, as you call it, Mm -hmm. that side of the water. Um, so, I mean, I find that fascinating that somebody, I mean, you're still very young man is that intrigued by things that happen over, over this side of the, of the water, I guess.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, why this particular story then? Why, why did this one out of all the ones you could have picked? Why this particular tale? I remember this one the most because, from what I
2: remember, I was I did not like the giant skin face looking thing that they had like right. wheeled wheeled <laughs> on the little coat rack and they were spraying it. Yeah, I think they called her the last human or something.
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah Cassandra yeah, the last human, <laughs> voiced by the fabulous Zoe Wanamaker, who uh, yes. Who, well, pretty much everybody should know, really, but particularly fans of uh, of Harry Potter as well. Um, but yeah, I understand what you mean. It's um, she is she's quite creepy for that time. Not as creepy as the gas mask child, but um, mm-hmm. but yeah, she's a really good start. And yeah. I think as well, this episode we'll get into it. But the uh, the sheer variety of aliens that went pretty hard, pretty hurt, pretty early because this was only the second episode. So did yeah. uh, did that stand out to you at all, Connor? Um,
2: the, yes and no, um, the aliens that really stood out to me when I went back and rewatched it were the tree people, the, you know, the, I forget Mm. what they called them, but they were pretty much trees and they would like hand everybody, uh, trees as like the gift of the last day of earth or something. I don't exactly what they remember what they called it, but. Yeah, they stood out to me, and then the the uh, weird robot hooded figures stood out to me as well, because they would hand out these boxes to everybody, and that would, you know, I will get into that part later.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, effectively, that that's the setting of of this episode, isn't it? The, mm-hmm. the very beginning, we 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 have Rose and the Doctor in the TARDIS, and the Doctor's saying, "Where do you want to go?" And I almost get the impression, Dan and, and Connor. Rose is kind of egging the doctor on here. He's showing off quite a bit, isn't he? Because it's the first time that she's going to take a proper trip in the TARDIS. And they're talking about going forwards in time. Rose just blurts out, oh, a hundred years. And the doctor's like, well, that's boring. Let's see where else we can go. And it's almost like they, they're they egging each other on in a way. But Rose really pushes the doctor. And I think he enjoys that aspect of it because he is very much showing off for his new companion, isn't he?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he absolutely is. And it's... It's a weird thing in this sort of early in these very very early episodes with Eccleston and Rose because we were mentioning off air about the the obvious age difference between the two actors uh, between Christopher Eccleston and Billy Piper and some, that's something that's actually referenced in later episodes as well you know saying you know how old are you about about forty odd she's nineteen yeah. um, and it kind of to put it into a more sort of modern context more modern Doctor context it'd be a bit like if Peter Capaldi started flirting with Jenna Coleman. I know that piss you off immediately, sir, because because uh,
0: you, you're quite you're quite protective about your fantasy girl. Yeah. I think anyone I, I think anyone who doesn't flirt with Jenna Coleman, I think there's something wrong with them. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got that op- if you've got that opportunity, you know. <laughs> yeah,
1: but yeah, they are they are fully egging each other on. And one thing that will be a theme in this episode that I picked up on is they do a lot with very small lines of dialogue to to flesh out the world and what's going on. Mm-hmm. So it says, right, 10,000 years in the future, it's the year 12,005, the new Roman Empire. So that just that alone makes you think, well, how did it get there? And you start, or at least I had to just start trying to fill in the blanks, right? And thinking, you know, what's gone on in history and stuff like that. So yeah, it was a really good little sequence of the, the close ups of the little switches and buttons and, and controls as well. I, I loved because uh, I've love just liked that throughout Doctor Who.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm me, I'm me. Um, effectively, they arrive at the last day of Earth, don't they? And it's a viewing station that the Doctor and Rose arrive to, and it's the end of the world, basically. The Doctor explains this is when the sun expands and Earth is engulfed, destroyed, cooked, however you want to word it. But then we get a funny little sort of twist to it because it's, it's a viewing station, as, as I mentioned, and the rich... <laughs> the great and the good, as, as the Doctor explains, but basically the rich, are paying to come and watch the end of a planet, which is intriguing. I could
1: go into a very, very political rant by it right now, but I'll save it. <laughs> um, um, the Doctor has a, this is sort of the first of the great lines in this episode, where they're looking out over the earth, and the Doctor says, you lot, you spend all your time thinking about dying. Like you're going to get killed by eggs or beef or global warming or asteroids, but you never take time to imagine the impossible that maybe you survive. And I really like that line. And also, I love these Eccleston episodes because it plays perfectly into my accent. Um, (laughs) I just think it's a bit odd that this doctor's first thing where they're egging each other on having a bit of fun. And, you know, she's called him, you know, boring and not impressive and all that. And then he just goes, Do you know what, then fuck you, here's your planet dying. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, is. it is and it's that that's something i notice as well when it basically the doctor um convinces the steward who is a, a funny looking blue dude that he and rose are supposed to be there with his psychic paper and it's the first time we see the psychic paper i get a kick out of that and then the doctor and rose are, are in this uh this this hall i guess a viewing platform as all the other guests are arriving aren't they connor mm-hmm
1: so I've just got a couple of. Sorry, I was just going to go back to the accents thing, Connor. As, as a as a proud as a proud Yorkshireman, how, how did you get on with the uh, with Christopher Eccleston's accent?
2: Um, uh, at first, it was hard to understand, but as I uh, went back and watched it, because when I go back and watch something, I start from the very beginning, mm. and then I go through. Um, and I can say this, a Yorkshire accent is definitely a lot more different than what a typical British accent would be to me as an American. Like you guys probably think as British folk that my American, American accent's weird. It's it's all about perspective.
0: No, I wouldn't say weird. No,
2: I wouldn't say weird. so. Um, I
1: was I about... to, sorry, just one more question about the Yorkshire accent. Have you ever mistaken it for Australian? And I only ask that because I've been... Asked if I'm Australian several times in the US. <laughs> one time,
0: just once. Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> I, I was, I was. It's funny. I was having a conversation with my mum uh, y- yesterday or the day before about how the, the UK has so many different accents in such because we are such a tiny, tiny little island. And um, you think where am I? I am in Gloucester, uh, if you travel literally like a, an hour and a half in one direction, you're in Birmingham, and the accent is completely different. You travel an hour and a half in the other direction. You're heading down south past Bristol and so on. Mm-hmm. The accent's different again. An hour and a half to the one side of us is Wales. The accent's different again. And that's all in such a small, tiny little space. Mm-hmm. And everyone has, I mean, Connor, you mentioned uh, about different words for the same thing, like lift, mm-hmm. elevator, and so on. We get that in the UK itself as well, don't we? I mean, the, the big one is that pops to my head straight away is um, a sausage, <laughs> uh, sorry, a, a chip butty. this is is a big a big conversation you know just just literally chips in a roll but depending on where you are in this tiny little island it's referred to as completely different things it's quite it's quite funny really isn't it
1: and there's all the and there's the whole argument about what you actually call the bread is it a bread roll a bread cob is it (laughs) yeah there's all of that we're it's almost like we're an absolute fucking nonsense island
0: I <laughs> went <laughs> <laughs> like, to the monsters for a second. Yes. So, so I get to, uh, I'll, I'll just launch into it. I was, um, I was just going to say it's probably because we've been invaded so much that you know. <laughs> that's exactly it. Yeah, um, but just back
1: to the uh, the monsters. I've got a few uh, a few sort of tropes to get out of the way. Um, the steward is played by Simon Day, who would reappear uh, in Face the Raven uh, in 2015, okay. uh, where he played a character called Rump. Um, so that was the episode that uh, that Clara died. Spoiler alert, anybody? Uh, for oh. some of the seven years old uh jabe who's one of the tree people from the forest of team uh, is played by yasmin bannerman uh, and she played swanson in an episode of torchwood the the year after this 2006 called they keep killing susie and then we've got the mox of balhoon who's the uh the little pudgy blue fella with a big head yeah, um, mm-hmm. he's played by Jimmy V, who played the Pig Alien in Aliens of London. The episode after this, he then played Bannercaphalata in Voyage of the Damned, which was a 2007 Christmas special. Then came back as Scovox, uh, the Scovox Blitzer in the Caretaker in 2014, and has even been in some of the spin-off stuff. Uh, played Grasky in Attack of the Grasky in the vi- in the video game, and in a TV short Music of Spheres that was 2005 and 2008 and came back as a Slitheen in one of the Sarah Jane Adventures comic relief shorts in 2009.
0: Bloody yeah, he, he was in a lot of dogs either. Yeah,
1: yeah he's, he's, done, uh, he's done, uh, done a load. And we've got actually an unsung hero as well, of Modern Who. Uh, one of the other Forest of Cheam Tree people is Paul Casey. Um, he started episode one of new who with eccleston as an auton and he's also been a slitheen an android a clockwork man a cyber leader a nude a robot santa a jadoon a pig man a half uh, he played nephew in the doctor's wife episode uh, he played a wooden queen he played time zombie a whisper man a zygon a footman and harold green in the nikola tesla episode he has had 38 roles in 17 years
0: why of new who he's think... 38 roles yeah. sorry connor I think... carry on
2: I was about to say, um, I think that's more than he'll face turns that big show had in his career.
0: <laughs> I know. I know, I know I that's,
1: that's, about, up, that's about a third of it.
2: <laughs> I just wanted to bring that up because I know it was a big chain wrestling conversation. That's a different show.
0: Yeah, it is. It's, uh, the, good good <laughs> shite, though. Good shite. <laughs> uh, speaking of all the aliens and so on that come in, we also see the face of Bo, who uh, becomes quite an important, I suppose, big mush for the rest of the uh well early parts of new who and the the tree people that was the leader of the tree people the 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 lady she her name is jade i believe in this this story it's jib with a b Jabe, right okay in that case all of my notes are wrong um (laughs) (laughs) yeah standard practice um basically very quickly her and the doctor start having a bit of a flirt don't they Mm
1: mm-hmm I yeah, feel like, straight, sorry, I didn't, didn't realize I was muted there. Uh, <laughs> on,
2: I, I was about to say one thing that I've noticed um, in this particular uh, New whos season it mm-hmm. seems like to me, whenever they go somewhere, the doctor always finds somebody to have a little fur with. That, no, I don't I, know if you guys noticed that, but I have when I'm watching this with a more mature mindset
0: okay yeah i suppose it is sometimes can be fairly subtle so when you're very very young yeah. you might not pick up on that it might just be yeah. a case of oh they're just being mates but yeah i mean mm-hmm. with with the with the uh jabe here it, it is quite obviously a little bit of flirting going on isn't it the, the as these as these uh aliens are all arriving there's there's like um a, a sort of subplot to it i guess because they're all handing oh. out gifts aren't they to mm-hmm. extend peace to each other because there are many many different races all all convening in the same little little area and they're handing out gifts to each other and so on uh we have the is it the repeated meme is that what they're called
1: i've got the full guest
0: list if you want it
1: oh god right <laughs> look at dan
2: being prepared. <laughs> because-
1: <laughs> well, because it's because we get this the professional whole, we're, one <laughs> we, Well, we get this whole like grand announcement but also we get a real nice bit of backstory where the Doctor reveals that the planet, even though it's abandoned, is now the property of the National Trust, which is yeah. still going. That's, <laughs> like a, that's like a British institution uh, for anybody that doesn't know. And they've preserved it, but they've put all the continents back where they should be to make it a classic Earth, which I thought yeah. was brilliant. Vintage gravity. Retro. Yeah, they've had these gravity satellites that have been keeping it all at bay, which is some uh, some wonderful sort of wee-woo-beep-boop. Um and yeah, the, we, we get the full we get the full list. And it's uh Jabe, Lute, and Coffer from the Forest of Cheem, the Mocks of Balhoon from the solicitors Jolko and Jolko, who I described as a big head blue chubster uh, in my notes. <laughs> uh, we've got the adherents of the repeated meme from Financial Family Seven, who I described as tech druids. Uh, the brothers Hop Pilene, <laughs> inventors of hyposlip travel, because obviously who doesn't know that? Mm, who are uh, a pair of uh, <laughs> a pair of what seems to be reptilian sort of lizard people. Uh, Cal Sparkpluck, who I'm assuming is related to Bob Holly in some fashion. Um, <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Pacoon, and then the ambassadors from the city-state of Binding Light. And what I loved about this is we get sort of real quick images of and sort of snapshots of all these aliens coming through. And Rosie's face sort of spans disbelief or, and and just being kind of like overwhelmed. And Mm. when I said about sort of little bits of the world being putting in very little dialogue, they're just dropping in that there's still solicitors, there's there's tree people, there's a financial family, technological advancements. They dropped all that in, in 10 seconds. Mm. And then you, you thinking, well, you sort of extrapolate in the backstory of these, uh, you know, of all these aliens and, I just thought it was brilliant, and there was a line just before this where Rose says something along the lines of uh, "By guests, do they mean people?" And the doctor says, "Well, depends what you mean, people. What you mean by people?" And she says, "Well, people. What do you mean? So aliens? Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. what, who, who do you expect to be here? <laughs> it's it's a fucking space station, and you're about to watch the world burn."
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, we also have Cassandra arriving, the the last human, as Connor explained, the basically sheet of skin or. or Rose refers to her as a trampoline with lipstick at one point, doesn't she? Which I thought was quite good. <laughs> she, calls what she, calls what she calls her a bitchy trampoline. Yeah. <laughs> but what I really liked about this, I mean, Cassandra, her her gift to the the other people are, uh, she brings music and so on, doesn't she? And an ostr- the last ostrich egg is apparently one of her gifts. <laughs> yeah. And the uh, Did you catch what they said about ostriches? No.
1: They said legend has it that they had a wing that the ostrich had a wingspan of fifty feet and could breathe fire through its nostrils. So <laughs> th- through through the billions through the billions of years, history's become distorted and and they've got ostriches confused with dragons. Yeah, which I thought was great. We see it later when they bring in the jukebox, which they call an iPod.
0: I love that. I love that. But, I um, that.
1: Did you catch? Did you happen to catch Cassandra's full name?
0: I I, I have heard it, but go on.
1: Lady Cassandra O'Brien. Delta Seventeen. Now, I'm, I've got a head on this because I heard the word O'Brien, immediately right. thought of Graham O'Brien from the Jodie Whittaker era. So yeah. now in my head, Lady Cassandra is related to Graham O'Brien, and Graham O'Brien is turning in his grave because she's such a twat.
0: Fair enough. Um-
1: <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome to my welcome to my brain.
0: <laughs> I like the way you think. That's what I was doing. <laughs> it's a scary place, Connor. Trust me, it's a scary place. Um, <laughs>
2: no, I don't want to go. I don't want to visit there. Then
0: <laughs> I, I wouldn't recommend it.
1: <laughs> no. um, but you know, at least I didn't. At least I didn't think to have a little blue alien spit at people.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, his, the, his the, the
1: mocks was... of Balloon. <laughs>
0: Yeah, his gift was bodily fluids, which was a bit okay. And there was, I mean, I'll, I'll as, it
1: was, as far as bodily fluids go, there's a lot worse he could have done, but
0: not, that is, much, that worse that he,
1: not much worse than they could care with his
0: primetime TV. Spitting <laughs> straight in Rose's face. That was funny. And, and the for, doctors. Oh sorry, oh, sorry, go on. No, you can't. I was
2: about to say the bodily fluids thing for a show that's rated PG here in the States. Yeah, you couldn't go very far.
0: <laughs> not very true. <laughs> uh the doctor's gift in response is the air from his lungs so i hope he's you know had a mint at least but but that, um, but that, but that makes sense that that the tree people would enjoy that oh yeah of course yeah and she did i mean that, that kicked very off, much a bit of yeah. yeah she she was she was all about the doctor's breath weren't she bloody hell um <laughs> he's had a tree bar extra strong yeah exactly uh Rose is overwhelmed at this point though she kind of disappears off, doesn't she and she's mm-hmm. she's a bit freaked out it's a lot to take in obviously she's going to see her planet destroyed it's the last day of her and she's seeing all these different colored shaped individuals, races aliens and so on but whilst Rose sort of takes herself off somewhere to kind of try and uh get her head together or get her head around what she's seeing, we see the first sighting of the little what I've got down as little spider things. Climbing spider out of the metal balls, yes. Um, I like. Yeah. You don't want spiders crawling out your balls. You no. don't. You definitely don't. You need to go see a doctor if that's the case. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not too sure what ointment he would be able to prescribe, but you need to go see a doctor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, as the spider-bots are sort of crawling out, just before that, we got the uh, the whole jukebox iPod mix-up. And they say, you know, they were going to play a classic from one of some of Earth's greatest composers,
0: and it's, uh, it's Tainted Love.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the doctor was having a bit of a jive to it, innit? You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a tune by the way. Tainted Love that is a banging tune, it is. Yeah, um, I have to ask though, Connor, we, we
1: say on this show quite a lot that the, C- the CGI can be sort of really variable from this time. Um, because as technology advances so quickly, CGI from this era can often look worse than practical effects from, mm-hmm. from decades before. How did it look to you? You know, when you saw the all the you know the spaceships flying in and, and the, the sun about to explode, I think it held up well. But I'm curious to know what you thought about it.
2: Um, I think it holds up well to today. Um, as somebody who watches a lot of horror movies, I'm a big stickler for practical effects. When done right, they can look great. When done horrible, they can look bad. Same thing for CGI. But I think um, since I think they've come a long way in 15
1: years. Yeah. That's one of the compliments you can give it. It's, um, but yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, I think, it, I think it holds up quite nicely. Um, what about yourself, sir? What do you reckon?
0: I reckon, it looks, I reckon it looks pretty decent, yeah. I mean, considering when we've looked at other Eccleston stories for the show, like in our, in our previous seasons of the, the Doctor Who, <laughs> part, there's been some CGI that we kind of panned a little bit especially with regards to uh, the episode where the plastic is involved and we speak mm-hmm. about the, the bin eating Mickey and then Mickey being plastic <laughs> in the car and so on doesn't quite look, mm-hmm. you know, it, it hasn't aged as well as potentially this has. So I, I suppose it's, it, I mean, also there's a few moments where the, those, um, the, those metal balls open and the little spider bots climb out. I think depending on where they are, dictates as to how good that looks because there's some occasions where that happens and it looks brilliant there's another occasion where rose is sat down somewhere and one opens up just behind her and that looks a bit ropey to me
1: i was just about to say the same thing when it when it opens on the steward's desk it looks really good when it opens up supposed to be next to rose it looks like a combination of middling cgi and terrible green screen Mm-hmm. And I'm exactly the same as you, Connor. I, I love my horror movies, so <laughs> I've seen I've seen every range of practical and CGI effects. <laughs> and uh, yeah, when it when it's good, it's very very good. When it's bad, it's dog shit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, we also meet uh, our I suppose realistically our first I suppose side character to get bumped off as well. Uh, the plumber Rose bumps into is it Raffalo. Raff- 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 Raphael, yeah, okay. I couldn't pronounce it. I got something else written down here. Yeah,
1: right. it's, it's, it, yeah she's called Raffaello and she's she's there to um, carry out some maintenance because the face of Bo's not getting any hot water, and mm. and Rose's she's just brilliantly reductive. She's so you're a plumber, <laughs> like fucking hell. Rose, calm down. You you, you worked in a shop with last episode. Now you're unemployed. Yeah, <laughs> you ain't even
0: got a job, Rose. Point <laughs> 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 <you then. But>, in. <laughs>
1: It gets me as well when she says, "So where are you from?" and and Raffala says, "Crispalian." And so, so, is that a planet? And she just completely completely leaves Rose in the dust, which says, no. It's part of the Jagged Brigade, affiliated to the Scarlet Junction, Convex Fifty Six. And you know, obviously, I know where that is. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I I, 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 t- I took space geography. Yeah. <laughs> I know words
2: we don't uh, offer space geography over here so I'm clueless I'm just oh. yeah
1: I mean, I've, I've, I've had conversations with uh, with a fair few Americans about geography it's uh, it's brilliant <laughs> I once I once blew a guy's mind in New York by telling him that there was an old York from which from where New York got its name and uh yeah it shocked him <laughs> <laughs> which is where you live <laughs> All right, doxing me
0: fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, uh, the the plumber. How do you say it again, uh, Dan? Sorry, Raffalo. Raffalo. That's not even that difficult a word. Why am I struggling? No. With well, it's you, sorry. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Uh, Raffalo doesn't last long though. But she seems like quite a pleasant little character. She's chatting away with Rose, and some of that is interesting from that conversation as well. Is that she has to get permission from Rose to speak. And again, mm. it sort of comes back to that sort of class system, doesn't it, where the rich are on one level and everyone else is mm. is is far below.
1: Yeah, it's um <laughs> it may be seventeen years old, but it does feel very poignant at the minute with a lot of things going on in, in the real world, but that's all I'll say, especially mm-hmm. over in the over in the UK where me and saya are. And I quite like the the, the way sort of her and Rose leave it is that Rafallo thanks her for the permission as not everyone is that considerate which again is just great world-building in one sentence. Yeah, you know, there's, there's a bunch of these rich twats who won't, won't give him the time of day because she's, quote, just a plumber. Mm.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, now, Connor, I'm interested to pick your mind here because you said you, you first discovered the show when you were about nine years of age. Mm-hmm. Um, and I constantly go back to my youngest daughter on the podcast because she's watching Dr. Who back with me now. And I, I often bounce stuff off her to get a younger person's viewpoint. With regards to this episode and this scene in particular as Raffalo is I suppose looking into a vent or um, she, she's she's doing her plumbing work and she's greeted by a few of the spider bots and they obviously then more turn up and you have mm-hmm. the red dot appearing on Raffalo's head to, to you know, basically to show you without showing you how many of them there are yeah. and then she is literally dragged in to the the, the vent dragged into the the chute there mm-hmm. As a as a nine year old watching this for the first time, how how did you if you can remember, of course, how did you find that particular scene? Because to, to me, this is probably the first, I suppose, scare of mm-hmm. New Who. There's nothing before this really. You know, obviously the first episode is 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 what it is, but this is the first away from Earth aliens getting killed kind of effort it, since Doctor Who was revived. So what what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on that?
2: Uh, younger me was definitely jump scared because i okay. didn't know what to expect going into it but it's like looking back at it now it's like just okay cool facts. you know what i mean yeah
0: yeah i get, you. I get you. It's int- it's, it i get it's interesting i always find it really interesting watching stuff with, with, my, with my daughter seeing what she is scared of and what she's not and mm-hmm. how it reflects to how I was when I watched things first time around. Uh, For example, we we recently discussed the Sea Devils, Dan and I, for for an episode of this show. And I called, Charlie doesn't like watching the old Who. She's not interested. She only wants to watch new Who. But I called her in to look at the Sea Devils. And this was the first time in all the bad guys that I've had on my TV screen from old classic Who that Charlie did not like what she saw on screen. She was not impressed by the Sea Devils at all. They freaked her out a bit. So I always find it really intriguing to find what, what bothers people and what doesn't, if that makes sense, Dan.
1: Yeah, well, look no further than my well-documented fear of gas masks that was inspired by this series. Um, so yeah, it's um, looking back. Some of the looking back at particularly the old who, I can see how some of it would have been would have been terrifying. Unless we're talking about the Scarasan, which looked like a melted waxwork of a chihuahua. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was not uh, that, that didn't help for me. But yeah, this no. uh, this sort of this sort of bot killer of, of Ruffalo, um, it. Does it? It does its job well because it leaves a lot to your imagination. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best bit. And then with what happens to uh, the steward later on as well, mm-hmm. it's it's heavily implied, but we don't actually see it. And it's always scarier in yeah. that way. I think I've I mentioned it a few times on this show. Evil's only scary when you can't see its face.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And this yeah. does this <laughs> as well as it being a good a good get out for uh, for budgetary concerns. It's. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it does hold true, um, but one thing I did like on this as well: uh, we we cut to the steward from there. He sets his orb down, and there's a beeping from a machine that he clearly understands. And he gets on. Uh, I've, I've affectionately called it the space tannoy and asks the owner of the blue box in uh, to report to his office immediately. And reminds guests that teleportation is forbidden. Yeah. But then we, <laughs> but then we get the countdown, which says Earth death in twenty five minutes. Yeah. Now I really like this because it it goes throughout the show. You keep hearing it. But it adds urgency and and and, and an element of, of fear and it, you've got you got to get there in time, you know. It puts you on edge. So I think it's another really good device this this uh, this
0: particular show. A, a good Kang dang adds peril, doesn't it? I suppose.
2: I think w- in the the later scenes where the episode hits its climax... um I think the countdown really adds that dramatic effect along with the music with everything that happens.
1: Mm. Oh, I'll, I'll be coming onto the soundtrack because mm-hmm. the, the music in this episode is, is just, but to use the Christopher Eccleston's doctor's word, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really
0: is. Uh, the steward does get killed off here. As we said, the, yeah. the spider bot is tinkering with his keyboard and lowers his sun shield Ooh. and uh, it, it Basically, he gets cooked, doesn't he? Yes, (laughs) he'd he'd
1: definitely be on the uh, on the well done end of the uh, the steak the steak chat.
0: (laughs) He becomes a crispy blue dude and (laughs) and, (laughs) Mm, extra crispy steward. Tasty. Uh, (laughs) Mm. Whilst this is going on, the Doctor has found Rose, and we get. I I think I think this is done really well in in early episodes of New Who when we get the interactions between Rose and the doctor and they're talking back and forth and the doctor is still kind of, there's a bit of mystery to him still, especially to new viewers who haven't potentially watched old doctor who before. And here he's Rose is basically saying, I don't even know who you are. You know, we're we're millions of miles away from home and, and so on. And then she asks, how come they're, they're all speaking English? And the doctor explains about the translation device that the TARDIS uses, gets inside your brain and translates for you. And she does not like this at all. And I think it's really interesting here because the doctor turns around and goes, I didn't even think of that. And, it, and it's true. There's so often we get with the doctor that there's this kind of intrusion because it is an intrusion. Mm-hmm. The TARDIS is yeah. in your, in your brain mm-hmm. and the doctor doesn't even think of it as being an issue for anyone.
1: Yeah. It's a yeah. funny one. Here. Sorry. Go on, Connor. I was just going to
2: say, so the, the doctor's a time ward, right? Now I don't know anything about the lore. I've looked into a little bit of the time war and all that. But is the Time Lords, are they an English speaking race of aliens? Or is that have to do with the TARDIS sort of translation too? I just it's, always wanted to know that. Oh.
1: It's not, it's not, it's never made a hundred percent clear because they do have their own language and their own writing, mm-hmm. which is high Gallifreyan, which is all the you know, the swirly circular uh, writing that you see throughout, particularly more so throughout New Who. Mm-hmm. But I think with it with it being such a widespread thing, I think we have to attribute it to the translation matrix of the TARDISes because everybody on Gallifrey, you'd assume, is exposed to TARDIS technology at some point, and it's never given an expiry date. It's not like you haven't been in a TARDIS for a year, therefore the translation matrix has worn off. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still there, even when the Doctor leaves companions behind and then, you know, goes back to them. It's still there in some capacity, even if it's just working through the Doctor so that everything he says comes out English, Mm -hmm. you know, or in in the language they can understand. It's it's one that... it's a really good question, but you can, you can start thinking yourself in circles around it and just become sort of lost in the logic.
0: <laughs> I, I was going to say, yeah, it's, it's a brilliant question because I've never even thought of that. All the Doctor Who I've watched, I've never even thought of that before. That that mm. just
2: popped in my head, and I was just genuinely curious. Hmm.
1: Um, and I, as usual, the King, King Bullshit Machine found a way through. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I would like a season – I wish they would come out with this, a season – that kind of explained the whole backstory of the Doctor and went through, like, the Time War and how everything happened. Because to me, that would be interesting.
0: We're getting bits, aren't we? We're getting... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the problem is now
1: with with the passing of John Hurt mm-hmm. and him playing the War Doctor, it's, yeah. it's really quite difficult to do that unless you recast him. But John Hurt is such a unique and sort of iconic actor, that I don't think anybody else would really do it justice. Mm. You could have something with Paul McGann, because all we've seen of Paul McGann is the movie and his 15-minute regeneration shot. But that was in the early days of the time, that was That was because he needed to be a warrior. Mm-hmm. And he got we got given that thing by the sisterhood of Khan and, and became the war doctor. So you could do something with Paul McGann, you know, getting into the early days of the Time War, he's he's starting to get trod, you know, sort of downtrodden and whatnot. Mm-hmm. That you could do. But the time war itself is a bit difficult. The are trying to explain bits with the Timeless Child storyline, I think. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. that came about in in Flux and, and Jody with era. Um but yeah, I mean I'd love to see it. It's just I don't think sort of practically it's it's going to happen. Unfortunately, it'd have to be sort of a, a big finish. you would have to do like a, um, you know, do like audio books, which they may have done already. I don't know a lot about that side of things, but uh,
0: no, normally,
1: yeah. But yeah, great. It's a great idea, though. Mm, I'm just,
2: I'm just a big stickler for origin stories because yeah. I want to see how everything played out and how the Doctor came to be. You know what I mean? How did he yeah. become to be the last surviving? Time Lord that's
1: an i idea. No, for me oh, well, they, they actually they address that in the 50th anniversary. Oh,
2: okay. I might um, have to find so, that,
1: watch that. Yeah, so if you the 50th anniversary episode actually uh, deals with all of that because it's the the big well if you've not seen it I don't want to spoil too much but there's mm-hmm. there, there is a there's a, a fairly big crossover of modern Who, um, and in that sort of story explains cause it explains a good chunk of what of what you need to know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's uh, the whole backstory of the Doctor and what made him m- mysterious was one of the hooks for me when I was a kid, mm-hmm. because you did, there was so much you didn't know. And I'm going back to Classic Who here. But, you know, I've said plenty of times on the show, Connor, that uh, mm-hmm. I remember watching Sylvester McCoy in 87, 88, and 89. And as a kid, this mysterious little dude was, or, was kind of the hook for me. As a, as a youngster, I'm wanting to know more. And then I tried to consume as much as I could. I read books. Mm-hmm. I, I, I spent so much time in the library checking, you know, back when libraries were a, a prominent thing, checking mm-hmm. out lots of paperback books and hardback books and all this sort of stuff, just trying to find out more and more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you get little nuggets now in New Who that hint at some of the Doctor's backstory that hasn't been explained before, mm-hmm. it's absolute gold to me now. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and that, I think that's that's a really good thing with the timeless child stuff. Sorry, Connor, you were gonna say.
2: Uh, I was gonna say the only old who that I know is what you guys have covered on the show because I okay said I, I <laughs> yeah I, I would I would watch the episode and then I would listen to you guys just to
0: see what you
2: guys think of it and a lot of the times we had differing
0: opinions. So. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. oh maybe one day we'll have to sit down and have a, have, a, have a discussion about some of the old episodes we've covered maybe a bonus show and get mm-hmm. get your opinions on some of those stories that'd be fascinating
1: <laughs> doctor who God of, revisited <laughs>
2: of, i liked a lot of the black and white ones that you guys covered yeah and then the one with yeah. the uh sea um the sea, the sea. yeah
0: yeah
1: um i i like that episode a lot too so oh, no gabby in that one because that one hasn't come out yet it um, no. must have been the the one with the Loch Ness,
0: the Scarasan, the Loch Ness monster. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> this I like them, the sea uh, yeah, see Yeah, we have covered yeah. that for this this show. It's coming out very yeah. soon. Yeah, I I enjoyed that story. It was good. So yeah, you have to give us your opinions on that on the mm-hmm. old Twitter machine, Connor, When it's uh, when it um, drops in a couple of weeks. Um, back to the Doctor and Rose. We get a nice moment where the Doctor does a bit of wee wee beep boop. And fixes Rose's phone for her to be able to phone her mum. And oh, it's, no, it's a little bit of
1: jiggery pokery.
0: Jiggery pokery, he says. That's what true. is magic? Yeah, that's right.
1: You know, I just love that. It's that. They have that great exchange of you know, saying, is that a technical term? And he's like, yeah, I came first in jiggery pokery at school. What about you? And Rose, and Rose, <laughs> and Rose, and Rose, and Rose says, no, I failed hullabaloo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but again, you get, I suppose, how, how you explain it, Dan, is spot on. Just little comments and little exchanges that adds so much in so little. She rings her mum and that's a lovely moment because she's talking to her mum and says, I'm going to be late back and all this sort of stuff. And then she you know, ends the call and looks at the planet burning in front of her and she's like, she's long dead now. Mm-hmm.
1: And now this it's
0: like, that like realisation, isn't it? Th-
1: this is the point. This is coming back to something Connor said earlier. The, the music at this point mm-hmm. was incredible. It was... It perfectly reflected... The sort yeah. of, the the, vary, the varying emotions, the sadness and fear, but also the awe and the wonder. I think they just absolutely nailed it.
0: Mm. Uh,
2: for me, this scene did what it was supposed to do. It, like, pulled at the heartstrings a little bit, for me, watching it back. And I think with the music and watching the world about to burn, well done, mm. well done.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was brilliant.
2: Mm-hmm. Music also- can make or break a scene. That's just my oh, yeah,
0: Yeah, we, we looked at the, well, it was the Sea Devils episode we reviewed that hasn't quite come out yet, mm-hmm. wasn't it, Dan? The, yeah. the music and the sound effects used in that, if anything, is too jarring. You know, but I mean, we cover that in a future episode. Well, a, a, a weird, a past <laughs> episode that hasn't come out yet. <laughs> a, 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 a future past episode. Exactly, uh, exactly. By well, the time this future? comes out, people would have heard it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We get another, I suppose, emotional moment, but this one involves the Doctor with uh, Jabe, and she's she scanned him when he walked in with her metal device, as she calls it, or metal machine, and it struggled to identify what race he was. And she doesn't, again, I think this is quite clever because she doesn't actually go outright and name the planet, the race or anything like that. But <laughs> she knows some of the back history and so she basically says to the Doctor that she's so sorry for what happened. And this is the first time, really, I think, that we see Eccleston and the Doctor in New Who getting a little bit actually emotional by that yeah. scenario, Dan.
1: Yeah, I think we we have skipped ahead a little bit. So you have to excuse me while I find my notes here.
0: Backtrack um, a little
1: bit. Yeah, the, we, we, there's quite a lot of, um, there's quite a lot before we get to that bit, isn't there? Um, oh, God. Yeah, because after that we had the the steward's death. Mm-hmm. And then there was, did you guys spot the, uh, the Bad Wolf reference? Yes. I didn't. The mocks, yeah. so the mocks of Balhoon. You can hear him oh. as it says, indubitably, this is the Bad Wolf scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which I sort of sat there, and just like I know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> but cause then we get we get the doctor, because to get the doctor and Jabe alone, um, the doctor comes into the room and saying it, it wasn't gravity pockets, and he says to Jabe that the engines have pitched up thirty hertz, so obviously he can wow. hear things that we can't. Um, <laughs> she, keeps, she asks if, if Rose is the doctor's wife or his partner. Concubine or prostitute, <laughs> <laughs> and this is where we got a great bit. Of- Rose is great when she's aff- feels affronted or overlooked, overlooked. Yeah, like do you remember when we covered um, Dalek and. Uh, Henry Van Staten was saying, oh, she's quite pretty, and she, she's going to smack you if you keep calling her she. Um, <laughs> when, and she says, whatever I must be, whatever I am, I must be invisible. You two go and pollinate, and I'll have a catch-up with the family. Quick word with Michael Jackson over there.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, um, and then we get, like, the, um, the, the Doctor and Jib are, are searching the uh, the tunnels. We we get a bit of world-building, saying who mm. owns the the platform, and everything's automated, and the, the reference to the Titanic, Mm-hmm. Um and then and the doctor's basically the only um the only one who can save them effectively. Mm-hmm. Then we have the conversation with Cassandra and Rose where Cassandra's <laughs> we're not quite at Nazi level, but we're Nazi adjacent in that she, she considers herself to be some sort of human master
0: race. <laughs> yeah, on her own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she is own, pure yeah. human, as she says, and she's and she's pure human and the other humans went out into the universe and mingled, and she refers to them as mongrels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: she does it bloody telling, She's saying asking him she thinks Rose wants surgery tips to be flatter. <laughs> Rose, <laughs> just, Rose just says it's better better to die than live like you a bitchy trampoline um, <laughs> bitchy trampoline yeah and says you just skin Cassandra lipstick and skin <laughs> yeah. Um. yeah then it, it's you know sorry, I'm, I'm sort of breezing through here because it, while, while it's all very interesting there's there's not sort of too much to say yes is, yeah. it, uh, around it all Cause you, then you've got the doctor and Jabe and we're seeing that it's all about he's sort of filling in on her family and that uh, book Turns out she's actually descend- descended from the rainforest mm-hmm. on Earth, mm-hmm. which again I thought was a nice touch. Um, and then, then we're at this scene. Which, uh, which I was mentioning. Sorry, so I, I, had to, I, can't, I can't help but fill in the blanks so we can go through it. Um, <laughs> hey, Dan, that's
2: what yeah. Si has you on the show for.
1: So the oh, 100%. It'd be 10 minutes without me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'd be saying, so So this happened in the beginning, then I can't remember what happened, and, and then that's when the doctor died. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so he's... Uh, Yes, Jabe has a real sort of, it's essentially a monologue which cuts in between her and then close-ups of of the Doctor's face and says, she asks about his ancestry, he could tell a story or two. Perhaps a man only enjoys trouble when there's nothing left. And like you said, Si, she says about scanning him. The Mm. the machine didn't want to admit he even existed and even when it named him, she wouldn't believe it. But she knows where he's from and asks forgiveness for intrusion but saying it's remarkable, he even exists. And at this point, this is still just allusion, like alluding to what happened in the time war. We don't know anything yet. So people who've watched Classic who will be sitting there wondering what the hell happened. Yeah. And she touches his arm and he holds her hand. And throughout the transitions in the close ups, you see the doctor's face go from a flicker of anger and fear, and then a very British sort of trying to keep a stiff upper lip. So then, is everything beneath his eyes is neutral, mm. but he's visibly tearing up, and a couple of tears fall down his face, and it's incredibly subtle, and absolutely brilliant. Yeah, mm. that fantastic, here, isn't he? He's such a good actor. I loved it. I, th- this bit, this bit, got me like uh, looking back i didn't appreciate this at the time and on subsequent watches being a teenager or early 20s but going back to it now i, ju- I just see how bloody good it is
0: yeah, yeah. absolutely fantastic stuff uh, the argument between cassandra and rose it, it could be seen uh, uh, i suppose at first first watch for me it was just them to arguing there wasn't much to it but watching back for the podcast now i realized quite how important that is because she's had an argument with cassandra she walks off and this is where we kind of get the first hinting i guess that the the the, the, the cloaked figures the you know yeah. the meme i guess they're called aren't they uh are, are working alongside cassandra or working for cassandra or at least linked in some way because they Corner and basically just give her a backhander and wallop her and, and knock Rose out, don't they? Yeah, a <laughs> backhander. <laughs> yeah, wallop. <what? laughs> <I mean, laughs> you're right, but yeah, it's just the way you put
1: it. It just tickled me. Yeah, it's uh,
0: it's, I, it's, it's, it's,
1: it, it, it's sort of sudden, but there's always something impactful about the very sudden violence.
0: Yeah,
1: mm. I think f- I find, especially when it's, especially when it's against a woman. Yeah, it's always it's mm. always it's it's like it's similar to when I've said. Um, there's always something more impactful about seeing someone like Wilfred Donner's grandad uh, yeah. getting emotional yeah. and crying. It's always, you know, violence against a man on screen for some reason. In my head, it's just like, well, that's just sort of par for the course, but violence against a woman, you think, fucking
0: hell, no need. Mm. Yeah. And it's a proper big old smack, isn't it? It's a real wallop and it, it knocks her unconscious yeah. first time round. So, yeah, mm. it is quite it is quite jarring and out of nowhere, isn't it? What, what, what are your thoughts, Connor, when that happened?
2: I was I was surprised uh even going back and watching it. Because mm-hmm. it was it's just like boom. And then yeah. next thing you know, she's waking up in a in a locked room. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah.
0: indeed. But, uh, and
1: I suppose that, that's, that's but that but that, but that's only after James got Eliana's out in front of the uh, in front of the doctor to get the
0: spider bot down. That's true. <laughs> and the doctor well the doctor's like he needs to have a little look at this, don't he to sort of investigate what these yeah. things are and so on. Uh I think from here the speed of the episode just kind of escalates now, doesn't it? So yeah, we had—I yeah. I don't think it's a slow-paced episode or anything like that, by any stretch of the imagination. But we have had a few conversations that are kind of setting the scene and a look at the aliens and a look at the great big graphics and, and the special effects for the the sun expanding, which looks, you know, pretty spectacular. Uh, and then we've had moments of, you know, okay, the steward has been killed, uh, the plumber has been killed, and it's kind of building along and, and you know chugging along at a decent pace. But from here. From where Rose gets knocked down, and then is in this this viewing room, I guess, with with the sun filter. Right from here until the end of the episode, I think it just accelerates through so much, Dan. Yeah, it really does, and, and I
1: kind of like that. Though it's it's taken a slow build. It's like a roller. It is very much like a roller coaster. Not mean you know doing a million and one dips and loop loops and all that. <laughs> but it, the very start of a roller coaster, you have the anticipation and the build up going very very slowly up to the top of the first rise. And then just whoosh, you're into the you're into the action. Mm. That's what it feels like to me. And it's there's a really sort of chilling line when the doctor and Jabe run into this smoke filled corridor, and there's there's crew members, you know, coughing and wafting smoke away from the face and all that. And Jabe asks, "Is the steward in there?" And the doctor says, "You can
0: smell him." Yeah, that was quite dark, wasn't <laughs> yeah. yeah, he it? I was, mean, just like uh, sh-
2: the steward, he. Uh, he was well done. Yeah,
1: like we said, <laughs> he, was,
2: he, was, yeah. he was burnt. Put any yeah, any we, food adjective you want to put in there. He
0: wasn't. He was. He wasn't stewed. We'll put it that way. <laughs> no, he was not. He was not. Something that tickled me here was we, we, we've got this whole escalation of the whole situation, aren't we? We've got uh, Rose trapped in this room, and obviously there's going to be some peril added to that. The Doctor uh, is with Jabe and. Is finding out the, some of the background, I suppose, or, or he's finding out information from this this spider bot. And <laughs> Cassandra <laughs> decides she's going to play a traditional ballad as <laughs> uh, as as we mourn the earth. And the record player in the uh, the jukebox that they refer to as an iPad fires up, and it starts playing "Toxic" by Britney Spears. <laughs> That's
2: a banging tune. It's a banging tune. I'm not, I'm not joking.
1: joking. No, no, I'm not. But th- this is the thing: when that was first released, it was like, "Oh, this is a great song," and then it got overplayed, and everybody hated it. And it's come around full circle again. So people are like, actually, that's a classic. Yeah. So, so I've seen that song go through the full cycle. It's uh, yeah, it's brilliant. But then, uh, Rose gets a great line. Well, the Doctor and Rose both get great lines here as mm-hmm. well. When uh, the Doctor's trying to, he, he finds out that there's another sun filter set to descend. And he goes and is trying to unlock it, and uh, he just he just finds out his rose, and then he's goes, oh, "Well, it would be you."
0: Mm. And it, she's it, screaming, isn't she? Because because yeah. she realises that she's in trouble. The sun filter is coming down, and it's going to cook her the way it cooked the steward. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, and uh, she says, to, "He says um, two ticks." And she just comes up with, "Where am I going to go, Ipswich?"
0: Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why Ipswich was the random place she chose, but okay. No, neither do I. <laughs> is it a shit all? I don't know i've never been there mate fair enough yes uh this is um again having a really clever use of visuals and and building the suspense and the peril because we've literally got a line of death so to speak haven't we as the filter is coming down the closer Mm -hmm. that gets to rose the more dangerous this whole scenario is of course and we get the constant voice saying you know sun filter descending sun filter descending and when the doctor manages to For want of a better term, flick a switch or reverse it. It says sun filter ascending, and it starts going back up, and then it fires back down again. And I think this works really well because you're getting quick camera cuts between the doctor on the one side of the door and Rose crouching down so she doesn't get fried. Mm -hmm. The the noise going on as well, uh, and uh, just everything added adds to this. And I think this makes it a really exciting scene.
1: Yeah, it's the it's the peril and the intensity of it all. Mm. It was really really
0: good. I enjoyed it. It's um, like I say. It's just full. It's just full throttle. Yes, it is indeed. It is indeed. I, but obviously, we know. You know. Spoiler alert. I guess. But we know the Doctor manages to rescue Rose, and uh, <laughs> 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 it will be a, a, a shock to nobody hearing this podcast, I assume. And we, we get, we get a scenario where the Doctor then, I suppose, he he's got the the spider bot, and he wants to find out who's brought it on board, doesn't he? Because these bots are. A big part of what's going on, and whatever motivation that individual may well have done.
1: Yeah, he does, and uh, the, he sets it off and says, "Go on, go home, find your master." And uh, this is after Cassandra's already started. Well, I was going to say pointing the finger, but figuratively pointing the finger at a uh, face of Bo. Mm. And it goes to Cassandra initially does this little spider bot before finally going to the adherence of the repeated meme, and then you have the really theatrical jacques from Cassandra, mm-hmm. and. The doctor walks over to him, and he gets to have one of those really smart-ass sort of gotcha moments, where he says, "All oh, very well and good, but if you stop and think about it, a repeated meme is just an idea, and that's all they are—an idea." And he blocks that shot from the big metal hand, rips it out, and all the the droids collapse. All yeah, at once. We get, yeah. yeah, and then we get the—he uh, <laughs> he just nudges it with his foot. And says, "Go on, Jimbo, go on," and we get the—we uh, get the big reveal. Yeah. Then it was Cassandra all along.
2: The bitchy
1: Shock horror. Yeah, the bitchy trampoline was the real villain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, and I, I, I think the doctor is really good here as well because she explains her motivation. Uh, she's dictating it, or she's trying to put it across as a hostage mm-hmm. situation where she would be viewed as a victim herself and she would get some form of compensation, which again, you know, it all comes back to money. As always, the root of all evil.
1: Yeah, as usual, five billion years and it still comes down to money. Did you catch, though, when she, uh, when Cassandra had her attendants uh, called them to arms and the doctors giving it, oh, what are you going to do, moisturise me? And she just looked deadpan with acid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Um, but, yeah, she was behind it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is all coming down to money, but it turns out as well that she has shares in all the people in the room's rival companies. and she'll make a killing because once they're dead, well, she'll make a killing after she makes a few killings. Uh, (laughs) Once they're dead, once they're dead, the rivals, the rival company stock goes way up and they're just as useful dead. I mean, Mm. it's, it's a bit of a convoluted plan to begin with. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not often that mass murder is, is the more simple plan. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, she found a way, but then again, you know, she's, she's someone who decided to become a a sheet of A4. So,
0: Mm. You know yes you indeed <laughs> uh she disappears though doesn't she dan she she uses a teleport device to escape when the doctor points out you know that he's gonna do all he can to stop her and and, and she vanishes off to wherever she vanishes off to do you know what we've missed as well what's all that?
1: the digs she keeps taking at her ex-husbands ah oh, they're clever
0: didn't didn't she say at one point
2: correct me if i'm wrong but didn't she say at one point she had like 15
1: Excellent. Things. I swear, but, I swear, it was somewhere along yeah. there. But she does say that she doesn't look a day over two thousand. Yeah. So I'm guessing, I'm guessing human. You know, human lifespan at the minute, you're lucky if you reach ninety. You know, mm-hmm. you're lucky if you get into your nineties. Yeah. Five billion years, who knows what it'll be? But mm-hmm. also, if people keep getting taller, I imagine at one point, Cassandra was actually about eighteen feet tall. It's
2: <laughs> <That's> like it's <laughs> like fucking Goliath.
1: <laughs> yeah. <it> was, yeah. <laughs> eventually, humanity evolves, keeps getting taller, and we end up we end up reenacting Attack on Titan. Yeah. <laughs> what? A so I've him. never seen
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> we basically get then the Doctor has uh, he has almost like a list he has to complete now, doesn't he? In in a way, he has mm-hmm. to sort out the the sun filters that are coming down to kill everybody and the, to to do that there's um uh, he has to do that manually doesn't he there's there's a manual switch he has to use to sort of override the the issues that are in the computer system and i suppose as well once he accomplishes this he does also have to deal with cassandra as well dan doesn't he
1: yeah he's got he's got a two point to do list it's rescue and justice he is mm-hmm. effectively he is effectively batman at this point Um, I'm Batman (laughs) (laughs) I'm Batman Um, (laughs) got to do the accent Um, but they're back in this room with the giant cooling fans uh, that we saw previously, I can't remember if we mentioned them and he's there with Jabe and of course the (laughs) the Doctor even comments on it of course the switch to manually restore everything is on the other side of these great big spinning blades that
0: will just turn you into mincemeat Um, I got strong Mario Bros vibes from this Having to dodge the the, the, the stuff, you know, and almost like almost like the doctor's in his own platform game, having to get across to the end, you know.
1: Yeah, especially with there being a a switch there that has to be held down by Mm. somebody. Um, And Jade volunteers, but the heat's pulling through, you know. Heat's filtering through that place, and she's (laughs) very helpfully points out. He says, "You'll burn. You're made of wood." Mm. She's like, and she just looks at us. Then stop wasting time, time Lord. Like, stop (laughs) yakking. Stop yakking. Yeah. Get cracking, Dick. Get on with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I did, I did quite like that. Again, the countdown helps so much because they get there with two minutes to spare. Yeah. And mm-hmm. these these blades are spinning. And you've got to time it just right to get through. This. this yeah. Cool.
2: You know, I was I was just gonna say this this scene kind of like reminded me of something. It's like a level out of a Lego video game where you have to try to get through an obstacle. And like yeah. one person has to hold the switch down. That's what it. That's right. what reminded me of. Yeah,
1: yeah you okay. spot. On. Yeah, I've, I've played quite a few of those, and that's exactly right. You have you switch to one character, pull the switch, get the
0: other one, do the mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah you you spot on. Um, Michael, a game reference there is obviously twenty years before you guys.
1: So, <laughs> um, so, so I very much looking forward to Pong coming out.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I miss Mario Brothers one; it was great.
1: Yeah. Oh, get, get yourself a Switch; it'll yeah. be on there. Um, but the uh, so speaking of Switch, Jibs holding the Switch down, Oh segue. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sort <tenuous>. anything. <laughs> Oh, that was terrible. I'm ashamed of myself. But we keep <laughs> flitting backwards and forwards between the doctor trying to get through these fans and the the glass on the um, on the you know in the, in the rooms just cracking and beams of light coming you know <laughs> death rays essentially coming through. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we see the the, the mocks of Balhoun gets absolutely flombed mm. in his seat and Jabe... As she's trying to help, the doctor passes a second fan, and we we hear the announcement: heat levels rising, and Jade. We see her arm set on fire, and she burns to death, and she screams it's as she's looking at the doctor. Now, it's quite graphic, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It really is. But this is actually something that will be revisited years later in, in towards the end of uh, of Catherine Tate's run as companion. Because Davros speaks to the doctor and says about says to the doctor about the people he turned into weapons and who sacrificed themselves for him, mm-hmm. and it
0: flashes right back to this to Jib. I've literally watched that this week with Charlie. Yeah, and I would not say, get. I wouldn't yeah. get that point that reference. I've always, but yeah, I've literally just watched that this week. Yeah, it, it, it's it seems like such a small thing at
1: the outset, but you realise it actually sort of shapes everything for seasons to come and, and then we get the, the blades are spinning ridiculously yeah you know the but the doctor just takes a moment centers himself closes his eyes and just miraculously steps through um, yeah
0: what did you think of that i mean i, I find that a bit a bit cheesy con- it's one of those where you
1: just sort of sit back and go hmm convenient hmm
0: i had a friend uh well i say i had i I still i still know him i I had this friend who lived in london for a while and he had quite quite a nice sporty quick car and he used to drive at a certain pace but it wasn't until halfway to london one day that i realized that when we get really close to some trucks on the motorway he would shut his eyes okay that's terrifying Mm. and I'd be like, what are you doing? And he'd be like, I don't like it. And it's like, yeah, but you're the one driving. Open your fucking eyes. You know? Look where you're going, you absolute <laughs> fucking mongoose. Yeah, exactly. But anyway. <sighs> well, no, I'd be
1: like, I'd be like, get out, we're switching places. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Probably, probably, obviously,
0: you can't do that. Well, no, I'd have <laughs> been, not, not only would I have, uh, you know, I haven't got a license, but also, I'd probably been way over the limit anyway, so. Well, that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel
2: like, Cause like I know what it's like to drive on a crowded highway, highway in a suburb. I'm um, going from my town in downtown Columbus. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine what it's like getting through London, like I'll just trying to navigate.
0: Uh, you just don't bother me. It's just not worth it. All Get right. a bust.
2: <laughs> I was I actually <laughs> plan on um, visiting the UK one day and doing like a, a tour of football stadiums. I'm like, okay. Everybody tells me. Everybody tells me, stay away from London. Just don't even bother. Go to know. Wales or go to just somewhere else. Just stay away from London. <laughs> I mean, if, you you
1: gonna, if, if you are going to go to London, at, um, just. Give uh, give Scottish Danny a shout and, and he can be your escort. The old Canning Town stabber. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> bit, I feel like this is bleeding into too many podcasts now. We should say that Scottish juggler Danny is, as far as we know, is it no
0: in no way, shape, or form a uh, stabber. No, I mean who knows know. hey, what people get up to in their spare time is their own business you but never um never <laughs> know what scottish people are up to <laughs> brilliant <laughs> uh, the doctor does as we said rather conveniently glide through this this very fast paced fan throws the switch to manually sort the issues out with regards to the the visors coming down i suppose they the, the protect well, putting the shields back up sorry isn't it yeah, mm-hmm. it's,
1: it's, a, it's, a, it's a miracle button that repairs glass and puts the shields back up. Mm. Quite convenient. It it, yeah, it does it through with, with about two or three seconds to spare. And that's all fine. You know, you, it's kind of, it's acceptable sort of sci-fi bullshit at that point, mm. I'd mm-hmm. call it. But then we get the Doctor, the Eccleston's Doctor, where I think he's at his best. When he's got and that it, little bit. Yeah. When he's when he's furious but not losing control and very sort of coldly logical uh-huh. because he he sees Jabe's ashes. And he walks into the main room. We see the mocks of Balhoun is also ash. There's people taking you know, the staff tending to the wounded and all sorts. And the first thing the doctor does is he completely bypasses Rose uh-huh. and goes straight to uh, straight to the other the other Forest of Tune people and informs them of Jake's passing. And then Rose asks if he's okay. And he's just, he's got that real hint of anger in his voice, like, yeah, I'm fine. Mm. Full of ideas. You know, as if he's like, you know, you can just feel it oozing out of him. He said, idea one, teleportation through 5,000 degrees needs some kind of feed, obviously. Mm. Idea two, this feed must be hidden nearby. Also, obviously, he finds it right away. And idea three, if you're as clever as me, then a teleportation feed can be reversed which doesn't look like it needs a lot of intelligence because he literally just turns it the other way.
0: Fix the switch, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I did like that, though, because when he uh, teleports Cassandra back, she's mid-conversation with somebody where she is. and yeah. I, I, know, I know it's only really a tiny little thing, but she's talking as she arrives to somebody who's no longer there for her because she's teleported. I like that. It's not just a case of zap, there she is. It's obviously took her by surprise that this has happened. I thought that was a real nice little touch.
1: It is, yeah. It's a belling little touch. Um, and I'll, I'll get into what's actually said. So Cassandra comes back and she, she tries to blag the whole thing as, as a test to join the human club, as she calls it. And then the doctor's just very frank and says, People have died, Cassandra. You murdered them. And in mm-hmm. my opinion, one of the better callbacks we've had to something someone said, she says, depends on your definition of people. And that's enough of a technicality to keep your lawyers dizzy for centuries. And she says, take me to court. Then, doctor, watch me smile and cry and flutter. And he interrupts her. He says, and creak. Oh, uh, yes. And she says, what? Yeah. She, and she says, He says, creak. You're creaking. And she's effectively drying out because she's skin, blood, yeah.
0: eyeballs. And the moisturizing guys haven't teleported yeah. with her.
1: And she's there begging to be moisturized. And she says, where are my surgeons, my lovely boys? It's too hot. And the doctor... Gives her a, a, a very sort of subtle fuck you, where he just looks at <laughs> and says, you raise the temperature. And she's, she's begging for pity and, and to be moisturised. And Rose comes along and says, help her. Yeah. Because even, even though she is a bitchy trampoline, Rose doesn't want <laughs> to see anybody die. And the doctor, again, incredibly coldly, says everything has its time and everything dies. And then Cassandra
0: screams, I'm too young. And effectively bursts apart at the seams. Mm -hmm. That was quite grim. All the bits of her flying around the room. That was uh... was. (laughs) a... All all that was missing was it was a comedy like wet slap
1: in the face for like a chunk (laughs) of her.
2: So this scene, it seems like the doctor was playing the judge the jury and the executioner all in one go.
1: Yeah. That's what it seemed Um, like to me. Absolutely and this, was. And, mm-hmm. Sorry, carry on.
2: And I was going to say, this to me, we see more of this. This is the first time in, in the new who that we see sort of like this darker side of the Doctor. That's that's what I, got off of it. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. had the same.
0: Okay, I'll get to my thoughts in a minute. Si, what do uh, what how do you find it? Yeah, I think a lot of what Connor says is spot on. I think that it is that sort of dark edge to the Doctor. And the fact that Rose is there almost offering a a kind of lighter side to what we're seeing Mm -hmm. without just that one line of helper and the doctor just blankly very cold. As you said, Dan very dark says, no, this is it now. And then Mm -hmm. she, then, then we get the graphic image of her ripping apart in front of us. I think it's, I think it's really clever because it hints more so at what's going to come. We don't realize that at the time, but it hints more at what's going to come with regards to the doctor, needs somebody there to stop him sometimes the doctor Mm. has this darker edge to him now that wasn't always present in classic who to be honest Mm. and he's obviously a guy who has seen a lot of stuff and that plays into i think his actions in this particular scene then
1: it does i've described it as very undoctor like Mm -hmm. it would be more something i would expect from say Colin Baker's doctor, when they were trying to make him, try to make yeah. the doctor a bit more ruthless and a bit colder. Mm-hmm. It, you're, you're absolutely spot on when you say it is very much the, essentially PTSD from the time war, yeah. that has, has left him bitter and angry and whatnot. But it it swings, it, it sort of swings around later, later on with Tennant when he credits Rose with saving him from, being someone who was effectively born in fire, this regeneration was born out of war mm-hmm. and therefore was, was kind of lost and didn't really know yeah. who he was. And then encountering Rose and traveling with Rose and ultimately falling in love with Rose in Tenant's in incarnation mm-hmm. brought the doctor back to being the doctor as he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um so while it is quite brutal and like I say, this was you know this is Saturday afternoon telly, you know <laughs> this is this yeah. is six o'clock, this is six p.m. on a Saturday. <laughs> Family sat around and oh wait, we've just seen someone ripped to shreds. We've seen someone burnt. We've seen two people burnt to death. It was um, yeah, quite like you said, quite graphic. And but for, I, go ahead. I was, I was just going to finish off by saying graphic, but mm-hmm. very effective.
2: I was yeah. going to say especially for the time this episode came out, the, you know, we didn't have all of this. um Cause like now I don't know if Dr. Who is like, is for you guys is Dr. Who like on network TV, say like something to the equivalent of like an ABC or a NBC here in the
0: States. It's on uh, the BBC. So okay. it's available in pretty much every house that has a television. It's okay. available on. I mean, you it's need not- to have a TV license to ha- to have that, but yeah, it's it's on. You know, it's available pretty much everywhere. Yeah, it's the don't t-
1: You don't need a TV license if you lie about it. I'm not saying well, I no, do you, that.
0: you can be <laughs> a bit sneaky, but you get in big trouble. Uh, yeah, it's it's available. There's a, there's a select few channels that are available in pretty much every household. Connor, the BBC oh, yeah. is is one of them.
1: Okay. Do- Doctor Who, Doctor Who is one of the BBC's biggest. Sort of IPs, essentially the biggest intellectual properties, um, yeah. and and has been since it you know since it started. So yeah, it, it, everybody can can get it. Mm-hmm. I
2: was I was just going to make a comparison um, because like now um, here in the states, um, I'm going to use a different show for for context. So like Law and yeah. Order, it's on network TV, but every single new season it just seems like you can push and push and push the boundaries of what's allowed on free tv essentially okay and i think that's where i draw the comparison because this episode with people being ripped apart and burnt to shreds it pushes the boundaries of what was what could be allowed on tv at that time if you know i'm
0: yeah, yeah I, I can get that. I can get that. It's mm-hmm. it's interesting as well. When I mean, obviously this is literally just the second episode of the reboot, yeah. isn't it? Of the return. Mm. You look at the first episode. Okay, you've got the scary, creepy plastic robot dudes and so on. But this is an extra level with regards to, I suppose, how graphic it can be. Dan, mm. would you say? Yeah, it is.
1: I, mean, I can't really remember anything before this that would air at the same time that would have, would have that sort of thing happen on it. Mm. You know, but it's it's done in such a way that you that we only saw one instance of something that could be construed as violent. And it was and it wasn't violence against a humanoid figure, if you like. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't relatable in terms, you know, it's not like that it's not like somebody's walked up behind someone and just slipped the throat or something like that. Yeah. It mm-hmm. was effectively a sheet going pop. Yeah <laughs> or a yeah. Of, like
2: popping up Yeah air. yeah
1: yeah exactly which I think helped get around a lot of a lot of the concerns because at the time this aired it didn't even occur to me that that was out of the ordinary. Hmm. I just thought oh wow that was cool. It's only years later where I thought actually that's pretty pretty graphic. Yeah. But yeah it didn't even 15 16 year old um, in my 15 16 year old brain it was just like oh wow that was neat. <laughs> what we're
0: going to do now yeah. <laughs> uh, from there we get rose and uh, she's quite i suppose thoughtful of the whole scenario she's watching the earth you know burn and disintegrate and so on and she says that nobody's here to actually witness it all that history all those uh, those years and centuries nobody's actually here to witness it and the doctor takes her back to what i'm assuming is london it, it, it's all hustle and bustle and lots of people going about mm-hmm. their day and so on and here we get another little, I suppose, nugget or, or little look into the Doctor's past because he talks of the time war and he speaks with Rose about what has what has happened to his people. He opens up a little bit, Dan, doesn't he?
1: He does. And in a shock to no one, I've got it written down. Okay. <laughs> I've transcribed it again. Um, you're right. We're there in the middle of London. It's all hustle and bustle. And the Doctor has another of these sort of pontificating moments where he comes across and says... You think it'll last forever, people and cars and concrete, but it won't. One day, it's all gone. Even the sky. And there's sort of a very, there's a bit of a pause. And he sort of looks down, and he finally realizes that he needs to start filling in the blanks for Rose. Mm-hmm. And he says, he just says, "My planet's gone. It's dead. It burned just like the Earth. It's just rocks and dust." And it's an interesting thing when he said, "Everything has its time, and everything dies." Previously. He says, before it's time, which is a great sort of contrast between his attitude of towards Cassandra and obviously lamenting the loss of his of, uh, of Gallifrey. Rose asks what happened, and all he jolly says is, uh, there was a war and we lost. And then she, she tries to press him and say, you know, a war with who? What about your people? And he, this, this is where we find out he's the last time lord,
0: yeah. the
1: only survivor. And he gives a really sad line. Of I'm left travelling on my own because there's no one else. And Rose just sort of looks at him and she goes, This is me. And it's like, yeah, you, you nearly, you've nearly died about four times. <laughs> and, um, In just the last 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 don't get me wrong. Proper sad and all that, but mm. Maybe have a think, because you've already, you've already questioned yourself for running off with a strange man in his, uh, what did we call it last season, his big blue non box yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And it was, yeah, but this is where the doctor steps in. You know, he offers the chance to go home because of the danger. He says, mm-hmm. you've seen the danger. Do you want to go home? And, it's, and she she doesn't know. And this made me think of uh, of Graham in more recent episodes, where she says, I don't really know. I think, and she's just like, can you smell chips? Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't know what I want to do, but I know I want chips. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, And uh, and she says, "He complaining? I've got no money." Mm. And rubbish, sake you are. Yeah, he says, what, "What sort of day are you?" And she says, "All right, tight well, Chips are on me. We've only got five billion years till the shops close." Which it's kind of uh, in one way, it's kind of nice, but it's like, oh, well you've you've come to terms with uh, with watching the planet burn, then, or at least yeah. parked it for yeah. now, but. It, it was, it was a nice. It ended very nicely, considering we've watched a lot of very sort of heavy stuff just before that, and then we've had the, the bit of filling in of the uh, of the more recent history of the Doctor. Mm.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think they did a lot in that one episode as well. That sort of leads into what we see in future seasons as well. Um, Connor now we've reached the end of what we're looking at, I guess to summarize, what are your thoughts looking back on this episode with, uh, with modern day eyes?
2: I really liked it. I've noticed a lot of, uh, sci-fi tropes, like, you know, looking at the newspaper, realizing it's a different day. Like that's Mm -hmm. a classic sci-fi thing. Um, but looking back at it now, um, when I first watched it, I was, this episode scared me because of the, of the, uh sand is it sandra the the okay,
0: yeah that, yeah
2: okay she scared me
0: because right, it was okay. just a
2: face basically
0: mm-hmm.
2: but yeah i, I really like this um episode and i, I really like the uh eccleson uh stories i know this comes with controversy but i think eccleson is one of the best new who's out there that's just my opinion i don't know about you guys because i know that Depending on who you talk to, you know,
1: I think it very much depends on where you start with Doctor Who mm-hmm. because there's there can be a difference between who you think is the best who you think is the best doctor and who is your doctor. Yeah, I know. So you, you have a, a distinct, um, Sort of difference in that in who you think who you think the better doctors are, but who is your doctor? For me, yeah. Eccleston, uh, Paul McGann, weirdly, is my doctor essentially because that was the first thing I watched was the movie, and I love that movie to death. Even though most people think it's shit, and a lot of it is shit, but it's <laughs> my, but it's my shit, and I love it. <laughs> um, but with Eccleston coming back and being the origin of it, he re- he is the he is the Doctor. He's the, he's the one who. Made it a success on its return. He's the one who brought it through and, and was the origin point mm-hmm. for Tennant, Smith, Capaldi, Whittaker. Um and the only. I think the, pro- the reason he gets overlooked is because he did just did the one season, yeah, and he left because he didn't want to be typecast as a Doctor, a Doctor Who actor. Um, if it had done another series or another two series, I really think he would have been held in as high regard as. Your tenants, your smiths, mm-hmm. etc. Um, but also, I don't. Th- if he'd have done that, I don't think it'd have been the same story wise. I don't think Tenant would have necessarily got all the all the sort of hard hitting story and the the, the well loved stories with Rose and, and things like that. So mm-hmm. it's it's a really sort of it's a really good sort of what if to uh, to play about with, but. Yeah, I think I think it was a fantastic Doctor. Sorry, I kind of lost the point of what I was talking about there for a second. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Eccleston, sorry?
0: Um Yeah, yeah, fantastic. I, I loved Eccleston and, uh, again, I'm seeing it through Charlie's eyes now, aren't I? Mm-hmm. Charlie went through the same as me. I loved starting it and, and watching with Eccleston and I worried about when he regenerated because I, I loved Eccleston's version of the Doctor so much and Charlie was exactly the same as she's watching it for the first time now. But then we got David Tennant and Tennant's one of my all-time faves and it's become Charlie's favourite Doctor. Granted, she's only really seen two so far, but she doesn't miss Eccleston as much as she thought she was going to. But the fact that Eccleston was so good, as you said, Dan, is so vitally important because if this, if the Doctor wasn't so good, this would have fallen on its arse and we wouldn't have got what followed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. You
1: know, in terms of New Who, Eccleston is the foundation on, on on which everything else is built. Yes. That's that's all I, that's the be, that's the one thing I can really say about it. And, and only to reiterate that if that if Eccleston fucked it up, or if, if the writing fucked it up or if something didn't go right, we'd have been deprived of nearly two nearly two more decades now of
0: entertainment. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Ah, uh, so then, Dan, what are we doing next week?
1: Next week, we're going from Eccleston, who's uh, who's held in fairly high regard, I'd like to think, too, one of the most highly regarded doctors of them all. We're going to 1976 and Tom Baker, and we are looking at The Deadly Assassin
0: nice love a bit of tom baker love a bit of tom baker uh it's been a blast connor i've had a great time talking doctor who with you and uh Mm -hmm. i suppose picking the brains of somebody the other side of the water and uh, getting your your viewpoints from a different generation to mine and a different location and viewpoint i suppose on a show that we we both love so that was really Mm -hmm. intriguing to me do you want to let everybody know whereabouts they can find you online and the brilliant shows you're involved in and so on please
2: all right so first off um you can find me on the Twitters on the football or soccer Twitters at Connor Knows footy. Um, you can find me on this very network on tw- midnight UK uh, Tuesday midnight UK. Uh, I have my own show called Connor Knows horror where I give bite size reviews of horror movies and TV shows. Uh, Dan side, thank you for uh, having me on. Even though I had to get up at early ass o'clock this morning.
0: we appreciate it bud we appreciate it and for those interested in listening to connor knows horror Mm -hmm. connor knows horror is available on the sjp world media main feed and drops the same day as our showdown so there you go you can listen to both
1: Mm -hmm. oh the, the, the the tuesday the tuesday all day was there you go. <laughs> go it's it, like the Monday night wars. Kind of, nah, there's no competition there. Um, I've really enjoyed the, uh, the the first bits you put out, Connor, with the uh, with the horror stuff. Um, looking forward to it. I've not seen not seen much tales of the, uh, tales is it tales of the crypt or tales from the crypt, um, but I'm excited to hear your thoughts. And I'm going to try and uh, track some of it down. Um, good, good.
2: If you go to the YouTubes and type in "Tales from the Crypt" full episodes, you should be able to find them there. I'll oh, remind me, and I'll send you a link to a
1: playlist I found. Oh, sweet. Thanks very
0: awesome. much. Yep. Brilliant stuff.
1: Dan, where can everybody find g yeah well just again to to say thanks for coming on Connor it's been a blast mate like, every, echo everything I si said and I won't repeat it because I repeat myself enough on this show um, yeah you can find me on Twitter at Dan Griffin 21 usually tweeting about wrestling that's six weeks out of date or movies or TV shows that are 25 years out of date uh, you can hear me on Unbooking the Territory with UTT Rob where we go through the first and last of professional wrestling and our side project Unbooking the Tankatory where we chart the life and, life and times the trials and tribulations of the hardest man that ever lived, Mister David Tank Abbott in WCW. It's uh, it's a niche within a niche within a niche, but we have a laugh, we have fun, and uh, we we talk some. We have some great chats and talk some utter crap about what is actually an underappreciated uh, era in wrestling history
0: yes indeed it is indeed it is uh you need to be following as well the network itself and you can find that on facebook and twitter at sjp world media from there you get links to all the shows that the network carries covering wrestling covering horror with connor covering sci-fi with ourselves and the waiting room looking at quantum leap and all sorts so you check that a follow on your podcast players your podcast platforms on all the social medias and give the youtube a subscription as well so you can keep up with chain wrestling when that goes live and whenever anybody else goes live as well. Uh, But most importantly, you can follow this show on Facebook and Twitter at The Doctor Who Pod. That's at the D-R-W-H-O-P-O-D at The Doctor Who Pod. Next week, a lovely bit of Tom Baker and that long, long scarf. Awesome stuff.
1: Why have you got to say it like that? what Ooh, Tom Baker in his long long scarf Ooh. Ooh, geez,
0: geez. <laughs> it's been a blast gentlemen it's been a blast thank you so so much for coming on Connor Dan I will speak to you again next week bud and to everyone else as always thank you for listening
1: Ooh, long long scarf No, we're just looking at my uh, fantasy football
0: team.
1: Concentrate, please.
0: (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right then. Three, two... Shit. What?
1: Just scared the fucking life out of me, right? You can see in the corner of my screen... where's my finger? Like, around there, you can see out the window...
0: Where's my finger? A question Dan Griffin asks far too often. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but in that in that little corner there, you just saw the car go past.
0: Yeah. I just
1: saw him. my neighbour's in his front garden doing something. I just saw him, and it scared the living fuck out of me.
0: That's all them <laughs> leprechaun films you're watching, mate, making you jumpy. Look,
1: <laughs> I'm just glad it's my neighbour, not 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 Nancy Warwick Davis. <laughs> Little Warwick Davis trying to get in. <laughs> Where's my
0: finger, Dan? <laughs> I have me gold. Is it in your arse? <laughs> right are we okay to start now are you done yeah no i'm
2: fine i'm, I'm fine
0: <laughs> as long as as long as you're ready to go mate yeah, yeah i could do with fresh undies but
1: you know i'll i'll i'll,
0: <laughs> I'll muddle through no worry, muddle through your undies I'll <laughs> standard uh right three two one that's this that that's another sense. that's
2: another thing that i like about um british tv shows it's because I, I've been watching uh, Torchwood a lot and you probably remember that I've never seen it you never of
0: course no
1: <laughs> even Connor's getting digs in on me now yeah.
0: <laughs> that better be in the
1: outtakes at the end yeah. <laughs> and there's 14 there's 14 pounds in a stone yeah and is it
0: 12 ounces in a pound so none of it makes sense at all.
1: It's all it's all it's all complete shit.
2: Um, I blame Mags.
1: Yeah. Well, that that could be a t-shirt as well. I blame. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I've never seen it. Sorry. Yeah, that's I, right. I, I I need to get onto uh, after uh, chain wrestling on Monday. I need to get onto uh, pigs bladders and have him uh, mock up a, a Jacob Reese mags. Uh, I, think I, just, I just need a photo of Mags with a top hat and a monocle. Yeah, <laughs> Wh- whipping a peasant. <laughs> no, we're live today, aren't we? Not, to- not tomorrow. Yeah, but it was after what I was on about on Monday.
0: Oh, oh, man- oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Come on,
1: side. wibbly wobbly timey wimey, <laughs> <to> keep up.
0: <laughs> okay, now how do you run a network? <laughs> Mate, I'm I'm so lucky that everyone else is so good at what they do. (laughs) (laughs) I I just go along with the ride.
1: (laughs) Cy Powell, the Boris Johnson of the podcasting world. (laughs) (laughs) What was it? Loads of kids know a fucking clue what he's doing. (laughs) What was it? Yeah, it was. Uh, tr- um, there were four 24 7 title reigns that lasted, lasted longer than Liz Truss's uh, time as Prime Minister. In fairness, I've had wanks that have lasted longer than Liz Truss's time in charge. Over Liz Truss? That's a joke from the, from the neck down. Oh, for goodness' sake. I could probably make it work. <laughs> power, power through yeah I've, I've, been a, I've been single for a long time I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm about four videos away from completing Pornhub <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ that's been met it's you do just, not want to it's just a slow to, weekend
0: <laughs> you don't want to see Dan's search history trust me um no. <laughs>
2: It's uh, that's not in the outtakes, then I don't know what should be.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, masturbation. Oh, dear. Should we get back to Dr.? Yeah, I don't know. I might just
1: just go for a crafty (laughs)
0: Uh, We were just saying tactical um, tug, tactical (laughs) (laughs) tug. I thought we'd
1: get through a week without any of this bullshit. Mm